Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 83. We don't want people to be great at marketing. We don't want people to be amazing at marketing. We don't care about that. We just want them to be remarkable because that's when people start talking about you. Hi, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire, and you're listening to Gift Biz Unwrapped, and now it's time to light it up. Welcome to Gift Biz Unwrapped, your source for industry-specific insights and advice to develop and grow your business. And now, here's your host, Sue Monheit. Hi there, I'm Sue, and welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Whether you own a brick-and-mortar shop, sell online, or are just getting started, you'll discover new insight to gain traction and to grow your business. And today, I am so thrilled to have joining us Andrew and Pete. Andrew and Pete run an award-winning content marketing company called Andrew and Pete, where they help small businesses create share-worthy content that builds brands people love. Based in the UK, they are also authors of the book, The Hippocampus, which teaches small businesses in a step-by-step way how to stand out and be remembered in their industry. They are a regular contributor to Social Media Examiner and have been featured on the Entrepreneur on Fire podcast. And I have just found out they are also going to be speaking at Social Media Marketing World 2017. So they are totally hyped with that new news and I'm thrilled to have you right after you got that announcement. Welcome to the show, Andrew and Pete. As well you should be. That is a huge accomplishment. I am so, so excited for you guys. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually where I met you. Social Media Marketing World 2016. Yeah. It's really cool to hear this because when we were speaking, I don't know if you remember, but this was one of your goals. You know, you were out as an attendee, but one of your goals was to get on stage. And now you guys will be there. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. It's crazy. But yeah. Awesome. Power of attraction. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, as we get started, our listeners know I like to learn something about you in a little bit of a different way. And that is by having you describe a motivational candle. So you guys are going to have to merge it together, I'm thinking. But with you guys, who knows what your answer is going to be. <laughs> but if you were to describe and help us envision your motivational candle, what color would it be? And what would be the quote on the candle? So I think this is the best podcast question we've ever been asked. I know. Just, like, just to say, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start with a bang. Yes. We've got a candle each, actually. Yeah. We yeah. need two candles, sorry. Yeah. We, <laughs> we don't share everything. Oh, uh-oh. <laughs> All right, so my candle is very much on brand. So my candle is bright orange. And this is a quote that I heard very early on in our business, if mm. not just before it started. And it's always kind of stuck with me. It's by someone called Pearl S. Buck. And the quote is, the young don't know enough to be prudent. And so they attempt the impossible and achieve it generation after generation. And that's always sat well with me because I feel like, especially when we were just starting out and we were super young getting into it, that's what it always felt like we were doing. It always felt like we were trying to attempt the impossible. Yeah. But we were kind of smashing every goal we set for ourselves because we were always big believers. Yeah, you weren't setting a ceiling. So who's to say that it's impossible? Exactly. That was Andrea's candle. Yeah. And then my candle. I think I would have like the biggest, wackiest candle ever. Uh, <laughs> Why does this it, not it, surprise it, me, Pete? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know where you can go to those places and you can like mold your hand or something into mm, a candle shape? Yeah. Like that would be your candle. That would be my candle. 
<laughs> or like peace sign or yeah. something. Mine would be like a vibrant hot red or pink or something like that. My quote would be, and I don't know who said this quote, so I'm going to go with it. It's a bit shorter than mine. Yeah. It's, could have a it's big just font. three words. <laughs> three words. Creativity trumps budget. So it, that's really, really powerful for us and for everyone that we work with, that idea, because when we work with a lot of startups or small businesses or one-man bands or, you know, people who are actually turning the hobby into, you know, the main source of income, they probably don't have a lot of budget, probably don't have a lot of money, but they don't need to. So long as they can get creative, a, an idea is much more valuable than throwing a load of money at some ads or something like that. So we love that quote. Yeah, I would say that that would really resonate with a lot of our listeners here because they are hobbyists and crafters and we spend thousands of dollars on our craft, the equipment and the product and all of that. And then by the time you want to turn it into a business, it's like, oh my gosh, marketing dollars and you know, like all the costs that come with a business. So I love this quote, Pete, because it talks about the fact that there is the opportunity out there and this is not a barrier. The budget is not a barrier. So yeah. You guys landed these perfect, just as I expected. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> I really feel like we need to create these candles now. I know. We'll tweet your picture. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay, so just to ground everybody here, talk a little bit about how you guys came together and formed your business. Yeah, so we first met at university. Our eyes met across a crowded room. <laughs> and then we both kind of bonded as good friends and... In between the second and third year of university, we started our own business together at university. It was good. It made us some money, but it wasn't like amazing. It wasn't like going to give us world domination plans or anything like that. But it did teach us how to fail and get over it in a kind of safe environment, which was nice. Um, and to see that you guys could work together. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So... When it came to the end of uni, Andrew had been going out with his girlfriend for a for long time. About five point. or six years, but Yeah. So he wanted to move to Newcastle to live with her. Now, we went to university on the other side of the country, right? So we had that decision of, do we move to the other side of the country together and continue the business? Or do we split paths at that point? Or what do we do? So I decided to just go and follow Andrew. Basically. <laughs> Couldn't so, shake him off. I know. <laughs> I'd say that's a good thing based on what we know about you guys. Already. Yeah. <laughs> so we moved to Newcastle and we didn't know anybody. And we didn't have a proper business, we didn't have any customers, we didn't have any income, we didn't have any business contacts, we didn't have any networking events that we would go to, we didn't have, we didn't have any money because we'd just come out of university. And it was in one of the worst financial crises of our time. So it wasn't looking too good. <laughs> <laughs> so how did we overcome that? Well, creativity trumps budget, right? And we attempted the impossible. So it's kind of both of our quotes coming together. That's how our story works and why those quotes stick with us. So we went out there and we got ourselves out there as much as possible. We went networking. We started our Twitter account and Facebook page and things like this. And you know what we realized was how the hell do we compete against all these other companies that have 10 years of experience, you have fancy websites, flyers, they've got thousands of followers, mm -hmm. testimonials. 
how the hell do we compete against that? And the answer was, again, with creativity. But the way we phrased it was, we like to be remarkable. So we like to stand out, we like to differentiate ourselves. But the word remarkable is really powerful because remarkable means worth making a remark about. So we don't tell our customers, our clients, right? If we're getting them to do some piece of marketing, we don't want them to be good at it. We don't want people to be great at marketing. We don't want people to be amazing at marketing. We don't care about that. We just want them to be remarkable because that's when people start talking about you. And put your hands up if you've ever gained business from word of mouth. Yeah, yeah. like everybody, yeah, for right? For sure, yeah. But nobody proactively goes about getting more business by word of mouth. They don't really encourage it as much as they should. So we're a lot about that. I love your story because I think a lot of people, once again, can put themselves in your shoes. They have a hobby and now they're thinking, okay, well, you know, maybe this could be a money-making business. All my friends tell me my product is so great, but how would I do that? How would I break in? So here you're showing both with the two candles and then what you guys did. I mean, you are living example, right? Moving across the country and now... (laughs) soon to be on the stages speaking, etc. You made a name for yourself. And I want to underline this gift biz listeners, remarkable. Think about this word in a different way. Okay. What Pete here was talking about is worth making a remark about the remark. And so how do you do that? How do you decide you guys what is going to be remarkable about you? How do you find that in? Okay, so there's various different ways to do this. And with some businesses, it's a lot easier for others a lot of people may feel like they're in maybe a bit of a boring industry how do i stand out in this but we love working with boring industries because you don't have to do that much do something a little bit different and you will stand out just naturally yeah right so one of the things that we always go through our clients with is looking at what we call the norms of our industry or the boring parts of our industry. So the things that are always the same, no matter what company you look at. So is it business cars? Is it packaging? Is it shop signage? Is it your uniforms that you're wearing, right? All these things that can be just the same across your industries. If we can make those more remarkable, if we can make those more of a talking point, that's when we can really break through. So there's two kind of main ways to stand out. The first is to be better, and the second is to be different or remarkable, as we said. A great example of this is a toilet, okay, (laughs) so a public toilet. Imagine you go somewhere, right, and at one point in your life, you'll have been to, right, you'll have been to the best toilet you've ever been to in your life. (laughs) I even know where it is, but go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) That's great, but you, you don't come out of that toilet and then start telling everyone about it yeah you? you don't walk into that toilet again and start taking pictures you don't well obviously especially if there's people in there yeah <laughs> yeah you there's there's the truth <laughs> but you just look really weird right you're just like hey andrew did you uh check out this toilet in this restaurant it's so good <laughs> but you know that's better right that's a better toilet than another toilet okay but if someone said to you is that toilet nice you would say yes it's great in fact it's the best one i've ever been to right so if you are better in your industry or you're better at something or have a better product people will talk about it once it's brought up in a situation 
However, it's not prompted. You don't go out and talk about it willy-nilly without being prompted, which is what remarkable is. That's what being different is about. So if you walk into a toilet, let's say it's a guy's, right? You you walk up to the urinal, and just above the toilet is a full life-size photo of a woman looking down, looking really impressed, right? (laughs) (laughs) Now, as a guy, you walk into these toilets, and you're like, whoa, this is so funny, it's amazing, feeling quite the ego boost. And um, you walk out, and you go, oh, my God, Andrew, have you seen those toilets? There's, like, this photo of a woman above the urinals looking down at you. Yeah, or in that situation, you might even... Take a photo, yeah. post it to any social network as long as there's no people at the urinals <laughs> yes. at the time. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're talking about it. You're posting it on social media. Now, people listening to this podcast, you know, I presume you're not going to be selling public toilets. But <laughs> whatever you are selling, try and make it better or remarkable. Yeah, so you might make the best gifts in the world you might be the best at what you do yeah you might make the best jewelry yeah you might make the the best jewelry in the world but that's only going to come up in conversation if someone is saying to somebody else i would really love to buy a necklace from a girlfriend do you know of any other places what you need to start doing is looking at how to actually make your business worth making a remark about what i'm hearing from you guys is it doesn't necessarily relate to the product because someone can copy any functions or any pieces let's say or materials or something that you're using to create whatever your product is so it is the product because your product has to be at a certain level obviously but the remarkable part comes with the story that gets created around that product would that be right yeah exactly exactly for example there is a um shorts company called chubbies i don't know if you've heard of them (laughs) chubbies so they say they make the world's best shorts how do you spell those c-h-u-b-b-i-e-s okay they do fantastic content marketing right so the website and the branding and everything their email marketing that's all kind of spot on Mm. the products just look amazing they know how to sell them really really well but to get people talking about the business to make it a remarkable business their content isn't necessarily about the shorts. So what they are basically talking about is how people in nine to five jobs can have amazing weekends, right? And their content is based all around this. It's all around, I can't remember what the slogan is, but a great slogan. It's kind of like living for the weekend, but, mm. but better. Yeah. yeah, better than living for the weekend. And so they are showing crazy things to do this weekend. They are showing people doing crazy stuff at the office. They're all wearing the shorts while they're doing it. But it's remarkable content that's so shareworthy. It's so shareworthy because people take pictures, they probably want to post them up everywhere, you know, Mm -hmm. with their tagging, right? Yeah. 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 So I'm glad we're spinning into content marketing now because that's really where I want to do a deep dive with you guys. So you have your product and then you want to find a way to make it remarkable so that people are talking about it. Mm-hmm. initiating the conversation versus responding if someone's asking for a source you build some type of story around it it could apply to it could be something part of the product that's unique or it could be a story right and yeah. then is that single story what you're always using or can you have multiple stories or what do you say about that okay so when it comes to content marketing 
you have to decide whether you have a content rich business or a content poor business. And let's just yeah define those two. Yeah. So a content rich business is where you have a lot to say and people actually want to know about your product. So marketing, for example, people want to know how to market the business. So we've got it easy in some senses because we're quite content rich. There's a lot of content we, we can be creating to kind of draw people to our business, to our brand. Yeah, people want to know about marketing. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And there might be some gift industries that are the same. Knitting, I know, is a big example of content rich. People love mm. to know how to knit new things, how to get new patterns. Pete tells me he's always Googling uh-huh. knitting websites. <laughs> <laughs> but it might not be if you're doing gifts for, say, I don't know, cufflinks, yeah. maybe. That's quite content poor because people aren't necessarily wanting to know how the cufflinks are made. They don't really care, right? It's, yeah. Most people don't care about your business either. So it's content poor. There's not much to write about there. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. There's only so many times you can talk about cufflinks and how to wear cufflinks and yeah, uh, different styles of cufflinks and how cufflinks are made. Yeah. It's like you're running out of ideas pretty fast. So there's two challenges that come up there. For content-rich businesses, like marketing, like knitting, we have to find a new spin on the content. We have to find a way to kind of twist it that makes it unique to us. For content-pure industries, Mm. you have to find stuff that people actually want to know about, Mm. right? And a lot of that comes through solving people's problems. People might not be in the market right now to buy some new cufflinks, but they are interested in making the most of the wardrobe that they've already got. They might be interested in... Fashion trends for that summer. Yes, fashion trends for that summer. So when we can solve people's problems, not necessarily talk about the product, but talk about people's problems, that's how we draw people in. Because that's what we want to be doing. We want to be drawing people into our brand. Because if you go into the street now and ask the first 100 people that you see if they want to buy your stuff, then probably 99% of them are going to say no. You might get lucky with the 1%. But rather than lose that 99%, we have to keep them attracted to us. So when they are ready to buy, they'll at least consider us. Where does the concept of the promise of a lifestyle come in? Does that overlay both or is that more in the content pure one? Um, could you just yeah explain that a bit? I'm I'm thinking like the image of let's take uh, Mercedes Benz for example. Uh-huh. The idea that if you own that car, you have a certain type of lifestyle. So all the marketing is around good-looking men and women around that car. They're going on plush vacations, driving in that car. You know, so the car then owner, ownership of the car subtly equates to a lifestyle. That's probably in more of the content pure things because cars, big products, people aren't going to buy those en masse many times in their lives. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. they do have to kind of associate the brand with something else. Yeah, people buy something to tell the world what they're all about. So if they they would buy it because that means I have this lifestyle and and everyone knows that. Yeah. You're buying the recognition for yourself. It's that image. Yeah. Taking it back to chubbies. People are buying chubbies because they think they're cool. Because they want to live, also have an awesome weekend. Yeah. So if you can... okay, So so, that's lifestyle too. That's that's driving into a lifestyle, a feel. Like if you own this product, then you're a step closer to whatever that 
feeling is or that experience is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So for example, when it comes to your content, the recipe for your perfect content is something that's aligned to your brand values. Okay, so it maximizes you and what you're all about so that people get to know you, trust you, and like you. It links in with their problems, so it draws them in. And it's also aspirational. Okay, so Chubby's is the best jacuzzis in the world, for example. Mm -hmm. Or 10 things you can do on a $10 budget this weekend to live like a rock star. So it's all about how to live this awesome lifestyle in your chubbies, right? Because right? <laughs> if, you're wearing, if you're wearing chubbies, you only really wear chubbies when it's hot and when you're doing something fun or you're going out, right? That's two Brits talking here. So yeah, yeah we only wear shorts when it's hot. <laughs> yeah. They're linking into that aspirational message. Right. And then they make it share-worthy. So one of the reasons people share is because it makes them look good to share it. So if, they're, if you're creating content like the world's best, jacuzzis yeah. if you share that that kind of makes you look cool in their eyes right because it's like hey i know where the best places to go jacuzzi in is right it's all that self-image that what does that say about you well, it says that i'm like the extreme kind of guy that likes to live an amazing weekend i'm fun yeah so it re it's really getting to those nitty-gritty like emotions and the image and things like that. It's the aspirational message yeah. people really want. So what we really want people to do that are listening is to stop thinking about creating content just around the product. Yes. Because that's only going to get you so far. We need to be thinking a bit broader. How do we draw people in without just talking about features and benefits is what kind of marketers have been plugging for years now. What's the features? What's the benefits? That's what we have to talk about. But try to think more about the problems that you're solving. Yes. Yeah, and so let me summarize here. I think you were really talking about, in terms of content marketing, four points. Align mm -hmm. with your brand values, so that is what your company stands for, what's important yeah. and what represents your brand. Yes. Then link to problems that your customers have, use that for content, make it aspirational, that ties in a little bit of the lifestyle that we're talking about, and then make sure to position it so that it's share worthy. So people, they are looked back upon as a valuable informant because they've shared content that you've created. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's Nailed that it. social currency. It, yeah. makes it, it makes them look good. Yeah. Like for example, there's a secret bar. Okay, it's not so secret anymore. I just told everyone. But um, <laughs> there's, a, there's a secret bar in New York and it's called Please Don't Tell. And the only way to get to it is to go into this restaurant. I think it's just a standard restaurant. You wouldn't, you know, blink an eye at it. Just a normal restaurant. You go in, and there's like a novelty telephone box in the corner. Again, you wouldn't really think any more about it. But if you go into that telephone box and dial zero, you get to go inside this secret bar, right? Now, how cool is that? That's remarkable. If I was in that bar, I would be taking so many selfies. Like, <laughs> look at me, I'm in a secret bar. Woo! Right. I don't tell everyone, right? Because it makes you look good. We want people to take that same principle and apply it to their content. So we want people to make others look good with their content. Make your target audience look good by giving them something that they can share. Okay, so I am thinking that a lot of our listeners are saying, okay, I'm super creative already with my product. 
but I have absolutely no idea how I would do this with my product. Yes. And let's go further. Let's say, okay, I'm going to say that my product is, because the first thing you should do is you need to define if you're content rich or content poor. Mm-hmm. Can you give our listeners a couple of ideas of how they could start thinking and gravitating to what would be that thing that is shareable and aspirational? How do they get to those thoughts? So there is a cool strategy that we use. We usually do it on a whiteboard, so I'm not sure if this is going to come off well on a podcast, but we'll give it a go. So it's called Problem Maps by another British marketer called Grant LeBoff who is an awesome marketer as well, if you want to check him out. So he wrote a book called Stickier Marketing that kind of debated whether features and benefits were still relevant. So what you do is you kind of draw a grid, and it's four by four, and then you create four headline problems that your product solves. What's a good example, Pete? Yeah, well, let's do a gift. Let's do a... um, Candles candles right okay (laughs) so what problems do candles solve what problems do candles solve okay so they my home doesn't smell very good yeah that's a problem Uh (laughs) my home doesn't look very good without candles that's a problem Uh, i want Um, to relax at night yeah i want to find some cheaper alternatives to decorate my home that can be or decorating for a special party or something a special party and i can't find a cost-efficient way of decorating and that yeah that yeah i I want to relax at night yeah Mm -hmm. so there's kind of like four main headline problems that you've got there that you can start creating content about and that's where people usually stop but then what this tool does is it takes each of those four headline problems and it asks you to think of three more resulting problems from that okay so my home doesn't look very good what is a resulting problem from that yeah okay so my friends don't want to come over yeah i don't want to host that dinner party because my house i'm not confident about my house looking good or i'm thinking on the spot here yeah it's not exciting and comfortable to come home because i just don't like it's not a comfortable atmosphere yeah yeah exactly exactly. i don't want to i don't like coming back home because it doesn't feel like a home it just feels like a house okay we usually once we've got like a group of people together and we've got a whiteboard and we're going for it you can really come up with loads of ideas if you kind of push yourself Mm -hmm. yeah so we, we usually go for three resulting problems each but then we push them and they come up with more yeah, and by the end of it they've got so many all these problems that their product solves yes. and then we start looking at what's crossing over mm-hmm. so you can th- you can have resulting problems that fall into different categories then we apply those to the brand values so what kind of makes sense to talk about and then all of a sudden you've got actual content that is more enticing than just here's my candle compared to five ways to make your home look affordable on a hundred dollar budget. Not only that, it's not around the product anymore, but I think so often now there's a big topic that comes about and everybody's writing on the same topic. And I think when you get niched into some of these industries like candles, everyone's writing about the same thing too, even if it's not just the product. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a way to get down to some really creative, standout and dare I say remarkable types of topics. Yeah, because yeah. once you apply the problem maps to a strong brand and a strong aspiration, that's when things really start flying. Mm-hmm. So problem maps will take you so far, 
But say if this candle company had a great brand, and say if it was, I don't know, a cheeky candle company, mm. yeah? <laughs> you could then all of a sudden start talking about funny ways to decorate your home this Halloween, yeah? Okay. So, like, people, people do this, and we're talking through it, and they were like, yeah, well, this isn't going to produce much. But actually, like, once they've gone through it, it'll blow them away because they'll come up with so many more, much cooler ideas. Honestly, it's, it's incredible. Well, and I think also it re-excites you with your business. One of the things with our listeners is they might have been in business for a while and they've gotten stuck. You know, they've been doing the same thing. They're not seeing an increase in sales. It's just kind of the same old, same old. Holidays come and go and they're repeating the same types of things. This idea for content marketing and brand new content and content marketing just doesn't mean emails or social media posts. It could be window display themes. Like it could go permeate throughout the whole business, right? So it's a way to reignite and re-energize a brand that's kind of gotten into kind of just petering along, if you will. Exactly, yeah. And we, we, we absolutely love how you phrase that because we're all about having fun in your business. I should probably tell. Couldn't uh, guess. Couldn't guess if, that one. <laughs> if you're not having fun, if you're not being yourself, then things start to become a whole lot harder. One of the biggest issues we see these days is people pretending to be someone that they're not or mm-hmm. someone who they think they should be. You know, I'm going to use this professional blue color and I'm going to use all this jargon and try and make myself sound really good and corporate and sound like I have a big team behind me. I'm going to use words like we and us when really it's just I and me. As soon as you start doing that, it becomes fake and it's not real and people don't quite trust you. Don't They don't quite see you. It's not real enough for them. They may not be saying that they don't believe you, but there's just... There's not the connection. It's not coming together. Exactly. By being more real and just being more you, which is why the brand is so important, then all of a sudden you start to get people that really like you and trust you. Who cares if people don't like you? We were actually really proud. If someone like comments on one of our videos and says, I hate you guys, no one's really ever done that. But I was just going to ask you that. I don't think so. <laughs> but um, there's this lady called Sue who did yeah. that. <laughs> but, you know, the thing is, not everyone is going to like and resonate with you. And if people do, then you're probably pretty bland and right down the center. I mean, uh, you're yeah. talking about being remarkable, being different. And yeah. by doing that, you're probably going to only capture some segment of an audience, yeah. but they're going to love you. Like the yes. people that are with you will love you. And that's yeah. what you want. Yeah. They're going to buy from you. They're going to support you. They're going to share your stuff, all mm-hmm. of that. And we don't need millions of followers to be successful. We need people who are committed and loyal. Yeah. Yes. Like we, you want a brand that's divisive. You want a Marmite brand. You want people to either love you or hate you because either way, they'll be talking about you. I'd rather have 50 people that love me and will buy and share everything we do than have a hundred people that are pretty, you know, on the fence about us. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so important to have that brand and to be a little bit more edgy with your business and with your content. How many boring blogs have you read? Well, that's true. And 
I don't even know if we want to go there, but I'm just going to bring this up and maybe we can talk just really quick about it. Most people, the typical thing is you'll do a blog and then let's say your blog is fabulous though, okay? Let's say your blog is fabulous, but you're needing to attract more people. So you're going to get people over to an email list and then you're going to email the content of your blog right? Or video in your case. What are your tricks as just the final, we're going to round this out with a couple of points, but how do you get people to open your emails if they don't know you already? Because once people open emails, they're going to open every single one because you guys are entertaining, informative, super fun, and your videos are pretty quick. And for gift biz listeners who don't know, I want you guys to go see what I mean. Just go to andrewandpete.com, sign up for their newsletter. You've got to be seeing these. They are awesome and speak to everything you guys are already talking about. But back it up. If someone is just starting out with this blogging and then doing emails, how do you get people to open those emails? Okay, so I think we've got a few points on here. I think maybe we've got a point each. So what I would definitely say is indoctrination series is a must. So when you are signing people up to your email list, you need to be sending a series of emails straight away, right off the bat, just so people can get to know you. It could just be kind of three in a series, maybe three during a week, so people know what to expect from you. Mm. So they can find out a little bit about your brand. You can introduce yourself personally to them. If emails are coming off people, specifically that gets much more opens than when it's coming off a company they're easy Mm. to ignore because it's kind of faceless you don't feel as bad ignoring them but if you can introduce you personally put a face to the email that really helps with open rates yeah i would also back that up by saying there's two types of content that you can put out there and this is where we see the most people go wrong Mm -hmm. so you have your primary content and then you have your secondary content So the primary content is completely no sales. Okay, it's completely educate, entertain, or provide value. You want to make people feel happier or smarter once they've consumed it, read it, listened to it, whatever. So that is the aspirational content that's entertaining or useful or whatever. makes them happier or smarter. There's absolutely no sales message in that, whatever, okay? That's there to draw people in and build up your brand equity, make them like you and trust you. So that's your primary rich content there. That could be a blog or a video or whatever. And then you've got your secondary conversion content. That is all the sales content, basically. That is what happens if they want to take it a little bit further. They want to know, if I order this, when will it arrive? How good is your service? How good are you at making these products? Like, What's the behind the scenes? I want to see some testimonials. I want to know this. I want to know that about your business. That's all very selfish content and conversion-based. So when we send out our weekly emails, it's literally just watch this video. It will make you happier or smarter. We don't use those words, but (laughs) you know what I mean. And then that's it. We don't sell in that, but we do try and inspire a secondary action. Because the moment you sell, then that loses the trust. Okay, so last time I opened Andrew and Pete's email, it was really good and I learned something or it was really funny. So next time we send an email, I'm going to open it again. Whereas if I was to open Andrew and Pete's email and they were to lure me in with some sales spiel that sounds like they're going to provide me with some value, but bang, then they hit me with a sale. All of a sudden, 
uh, they've wasted my time. I wasn't in the market to buy right now. I've not asked for that sale. I don't really know who you are yet. You haven't proved yourself to me yet. So just send primary content and build that brand equity. And then at some point when you're ready, when you feel like you've built up enough value and credibility and trust with people, then send a sales email, right? We actually get less people unsubscribing on our sales emails than we do to our actual content, which is ridiculous. But that's only because because we've sent them like 20 weeks worth of content that has been pure value. They love it. They share it. They like it. They comment on it. They tell us they really like it. So that one day when we go, you know what, guys, we have this product. Do you want it? All of a sudden, they're like, you know what, guys, I respect the fact that now you can sell me something. Now I know all about you. And actually, I'm open to that now. And I trust you. So, yes, I will buy it. Can I just add one, one final point on email marketing as well? I feel like this is super important specifically for the gift industry is that segmentation is key with email. So yes. if people don't know you, if they've just subscribed, you don't want to hit them with sales stuff straight away. If they're already a customer, if they used to buy them from you, we can maybe increase that a little bit more than we would everybody else. And if we can do that in clever ways, for example, I was buying flowers for my mother the other day because it was a birthday and I live in a different city. So I was buying them online through a website called Interflora. I don't know if you have that in the States. You can basically order flowers to anywhere in the UK through Interflora. One of the tick boxes right at the end was, would you like to be reminded of this via your email next year? And I was like, yes, I would. That's good. (laughs) So if we can build that into our email as well, like more clever ways of giving, because that's useful and salesy at the same time. (laughs) Perfect, because we're talking about emails, and I like that you're talking about build the relationship first, and then you have the right to talk about other things that they can get by paying you money, right? And then also segmenting based on the relationship level that you have with each customer. So beautiful, perfect. All right, and again, I just wanna make the comment, you need to go over and watch them because all of this will come full circle when you see one of their emails. That includes a video, I think they're YouTube videos, pretty sure. Um, you'll, You'll understand this even more when you see some of the stuff they do. Plus your content is fabulous. So thank you very much. I'm I'm saying it twice because I really want people to do it. Um, Any final things just to close the loop on all that we've been talking about to this point? Are we good? I think we're good. I would say maybe final point, be brave. Go for it. Enjoy (laughs) it. And don't be kind of one of these stagnant businesses that just copies everybody else. Take a risk and make it fun, just like you said. Uh Yeah. Andrew and Pete, I want to move now into the reflection section. This is a look at you as your candles are burning (laughs) to see Uh a little bit more of what's made you successful. What is one natural trait that you have that you think you're calling upon all the time that is leading you to your successes? This is a great question. I think for (laughs) both of us, it's probably why we became friends as well, was that we're both super persistent. So we hate giving up. We don't particularly like losing. We hate the feeling that we haven't tried our best. And we constantly kind of pushing ourselves forward. If things don't work, yeah, it's gutting. And we we hate that feeling. But we're always going to keep on trying. Mm. trying. We're always going to get ourselves back up and try again. Go for the next thing. 
Stubborn, I think, is probably another way of putting it. <laughs> Ambitious. Ambitious, yes. Well, there you go. And, you know, for anybody to think that 100% of the things that they try are going to be absolutely perfection out of the gate has another thing coming because it just yeah. it's not reality no matter what. You've got to try, and with that comes some things aren't just going to work, and you, know, you got to try it a different way. So yeah. that's perfect. Exactly. With, with, with that as well, could we add, like, an unnatural thing <laughs> as well? Sure. Like, an, un, an, an unnatural trait that, well, it's not, not maybe unnatural, but... It took some work. Took some work. And it's something that I think every one of your listeners would kind of benefit from. It's a quote that we have... Another quote, another quote for you. And the quote is, schedule for success. So don't just wait for success to happen, schedule it in. So in the last year, we have achieved more than we have in the last five years because we have been so much more focused, productive, and more organized. So if you want something to happen, schedule it in your damn diary. <laughs> So many people don't do this, and they wonder why nothing happens, why they're not moving forward in business. The, the talkers, you know, they will, oh, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this, I'm going to, when? When is it going to happen? Tell me. Yeah, like and we then, literally have every single day scheduled in, our, scheduled in our diary three months in advance so we know what we're going to do. We say, okay, what do we want to get achieved in this next three months? How many days is this going to take us? And what days are we going to attribute to doing this goal? Okay, never write down a to-do list action without putting it in a certain time slot of when you're going to do it. Mm. Because otherwise it just doesn't get done. Yeah, it keeps. it's so easy just to let it get put off to the next day, to the next day. Do you guys sit down on a quarterly basis and put this together? How does that work? Like at the end of the year, we've just done it recently. We've planned out what we want to achieve in the first, we've kind of done the first year, but it's more like the first six months. Mm. Which we think having long-term goals is kind of good to keep you grounded, but things change so much. So what we've yeah. learned is we'll maybe work six months in advance, but three months in advance fully scheduled in each day. And then every three months we'll repeat the process. Okay, biz listeners, you can do that if you're a company of one as well. It doesn't exactly. <laughs> Yeah, you don't you don't have to just do it if you have a partner or something like that. It's a great that's a great thing. And and New Year's is coming around, so it's a great resolution too. Practice mm -hmm. practice yeah. now and then set it fully in place for next year if need be. So, that, so. that's like our unnatural <laughs> trait. Yeah, right. that's the one that's attributed, I think, a lot to our success in this last year. Love that you brought that up. That's perfect. What tool do you guys use regularly besides your scheduler then to help you create balance in your life or make sure that you're successful? I think we have a tool for everything that we do in business. Yeah. <laughs> We're all about being more scalable. I think the tool that we couldn't live without is Google Drive. We are like super fanboys of Google Drive. We use it every single day. It keeps us both on track. We actually tried other scheduling bits of software and decided, you know what, let's just do this on a sheet in Google Drive because mm -hmm. it's there and we can use it. We can go on our iPads, our iPhone, our iMacs. We can do it on the go and we can physically see each other right on it. Yeah. So it's all in real time. Whenever we get a bit of inspiration, it can go Google Drive, podcast prep. We're looking at Google Drive right now while we're talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <Yeah. laughs> Sue's oh. podcast, the most fun one. Yeah. <laughs> My, the <laughs> highlight of the day. <laughs> okay. And now I want to ask you about what 
book you've read lately, but I before I do that, I because I'm not going to let you say yours, but I will say yours. <laughs> um, the Hippocampus I just finished, and it goes a little bit deeper dive in some of the things that we've been talking about today. You guys have actually shared even more different angle versus the book, but a great grounding point. So I want all of you to consider the Hippocampus, and I am going to put that one in the show notes for sure. Oh, thank you very much. And besides yours, what other book have you read lately that you think our listeners could find value in? We really like this book called Contagious, How to Build Word of Mouth in a Digital Age by a guy called Jonah. I don't know how to pronounce his second name, but I think it's Berger. Berger. B-E-R-G-E-R. And he talks about a piece of research he did, which basically describes the six reasons why people share anything or why they talk about anything. It ties in so much with what we do. So that's why we love it so much. Right, it's right in line with everything we've been talking about. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. The six reasons people share are social currency. Does talking about your product make you look good? Can you find your inner remarkability? Um, Triggers, it's about by doing this, does it trigger something else? It goes into talking about emotion, public practical value and stories it's really really great book so highly recommend that sparked our curiosity so we'll have to check that out (laughs) (laughs) and gift biz listeners just as you're listening to this podcast i know you like audible the hippocampus is on audible because that's how i listen to it and i think (laughs) contagious is too so if you haven't already you can jump over to giftbizbook.com and get a free book on me. That's giftbizbook.com. Cool. All right, Andrew and Pete, it is time for me to invite you to dare to dream. I'd like to present you with a virtual gift. It's a magical box containing unlimited possibilities for your future. (laughs) This is your dream or your goal of almost unreachable heights that you would wish to obtain. Please accept this gift and open it in our presence. What is inside your box? Beyonce. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, I'm just joking. I think I, I hear this. a knock on the door. Go open. <laughs> yeah, we love this question. I think you've got a really good bookended questions here. Yeah. So we started building our community of what we're calling not small businesses because we don't really like that term small business. I think it's a tiny bit demeaning. We're calling them atomic businesses. So they are small but mighty because ah. we really small businesses have so much power in this day and age, especially when you're looking at digital and social trends, so much power to do so many great things. So we really want to start a revolution of businesses who are small but mighty. We really want this to catch on. Business and entrepreneurship has always kind of been our passion. And yeah, definitely. that's all we want to do. We want to work with other people who are super passionate about their business and help them do more fun stuff. Yeah, maybe I'd like Katy Perry into the box. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you guys, I'm not even going to say that's a tall order. You just never know. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But I think you're so right. When you talk about small businesses, I love that you talk about Atomic, too, because so many people think the size of the smaller businesses puts them at a disadvantage. I would suggest it puts them at a huge advantage because they're very nimble, they can change, they don't have to go through this hierarchy, they can make adjustments and make plans really quickly. 
in my past, I used to work with a lot of bigger businesses and it took forever or never happened <laughs> because someone at the top who was really somewhat disconnected didn't understand what the value would be. Yeah. So huge opportunities. And I, lo I love that you're rebranding and I love the fact that you've identified that small is not necessarily the connotation. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's atomic. Yeah. Now you just yeah. need like you need some big sound effect every time you yeah. say atomic. Or something. Say it. <laughs> like a Snapchat filter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, for sure. All right. So gift biz listeners, you know there's gonna be a show notes page. I will have all of Andrew and Pete's social media there, the website, all of that. But for people who are maybe out and about right now, not going to access the social media page, where would you direct them, you guys, if they wanted to learn more about you? So our website is andrewandpete.com. So that's a super easy one to remember. Yeah. Um, it's the yeah. same with all of our social profiles, basically. It's just Andrew and Pete. Yeah. So it's uh, facebook.com forward slash Andrew and Pete, twitter.com forward slash Andrew and Pete, Snapchat is Andrew and Pete. Yeah. Our two favorite social platforms at the moment where we'll probably hang out most is Twitter and Snapchat. So yeah. say hello there and we'll yes. say hello back. Sounds perfect. All right, you guys, you did not disappoint me by any means. I mean, this has been a truly remarkable podcast, I would say. Lots of great information, really actionable things as well. Thank you so much for joining me from across the pond. I think it's later afternoon for you guys right now. So yeah. maybe even early evening. I'm not sure. It's not too bad. We're half four over here. Oh, yeah. okay. So that's not yeah. too bad. Not too bad. So too again, I really, really appreciate it. And may your candles always burn bright. Thank you so uh, much you. for having thank us. You thank you. It's been a blast. <laughs> Where are you in your business building journey? Whether you're just starting out or already running a business and you want to know you're set up for success, find out by taking the Gift Biz Quiz. Access the quiz from your computer at bit.ly slash giftbizquiz or from your phone by texting giftbizquiz to 44222. Thanks for listening and be sure to join us for the next episode. Today's show is sponsored by the Ribbon Print Company. Looking for a new income source for your gift business? Customization is more popular now than ever. Brand your products with your logo or print a happy birthday Jessica ribbon to add to a gift right at checkout. It's all done right in your shop or craft studio in seconds. Check out the ribbonprintcompany.com for more information. After you listen to the show, if you like what you're hearing, make sure to jump over and subscribe to the show on iTunes. That way you'll automatically get the newest episodes when they go live. And thank you to those who have already left a rating and review. By subscribing, rating, and reviewing, you help to increase the visibility of Gift Biz Unwrapped. It's a great way to pay it forward to help others with their entrepreneurial journey as well.